The title of a very funny new show called The Other Two refers to the older siblings of a newly minted YouTube star. His fame makes them feel overshadowed in some of the ways that you might expect. But it's also a chance for them to look out for him and to learn a lot about the broad outlines of fleeting fame. We're talking today about the new Comedy Central show, The Other Two, so come right back. Support for NPR and the following message come from LinkedIn. Monday. Most of us don't crack a smile until 11.16 a.m. But what if Monday was something you greeted with excitement, or at the very least, a smile? Hello Monday is a new podcast from LinkedIn's editorial team about how they're changing work and how work is changing us. Each week, host Jesse Hempel brings you reporting and candid conversations from the front lines of the new office. Find Hello Monday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back. You just met Glenn Weldon. Also with us are Kathy Tu and Tobin Lowe, co-hosts of the podcast Nancy from WNYC Studios. Welcome back, you guys. Thanks, Thanks for, for having us again. We always say the same thing, and I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it is such a joy to be here, I should say. Uh, Kathy and Tobin and I are all in New York. Glenn is by his lonesome in D.C. He <laughs> is the left out one, which this show would sort of understand, being the uncool one. Look at that um, segue. Glenn, uh, so the the kid, Chase, who is the YouTube star, is a singer who gets a a big hit song with the wonderful tune, I Want to Marry You at Recess, (laughs) which sounds so much like a real YouTube song that would happen. You reviewed this for us, Glenn, a couple weeks ago at NPR.org. Tell me what you think of this show. Uh, I love it. Uh, I love the show that this show is, but when I heard the premise, I was worried because, let's face it, YouTube fame is a very broad target. Every time we get to that part of the series, I kind of reflexively clench because I'm always expecting the kind of lazy sitcom jokes uh, at millennials that uh, that we've gotten a lot of because there is, you know, there's an alternate universe version of this show where the kid's a monster, Molly Shannon is a scheming stage mom, and, and the, the siblings are going to be all jealous and backstabby. Uh, this show is much different than that. It flips pretty much all those things on, on their heads, and it's warmer. It's funny. It can be cringy, the stuff from about Watch What Happened Lives, where we see him, Carrie, go on and be the bartender. And, and Carrie is the brother. Carrie is the brother. You know, and it stars two people who are great. Helena York from High Maintenance. I recognized her. And Drew Tarver from Bajillion Dollar Properties. I want to talk in a bit about the low-key, matter-of-fact way that this show gets and depicts uh, queerness. Drew Tarver, who plays Carrie, who is one of the siblings, uh, the older siblings, is gay. And the show gets it in a really basic, uh, really fun way. So I, I really dig it. Tobin, you are nodding a lot while Glenn is talking, which I know because we're in the same place, Tobin. <laughs> <laughs> tell me uh, tell me what your thoughts about the show are. I mean, I think, first of all, it is like a collection of all the character actors you love to see yeah. in things. For real. You know, like Molly Shannon's the mom. Who else? Caper Lant makes an appearance. Kate and so Ken Marino Ken is Marino. the kid's manager, the kid's like sleazy manager, <laughs> which is, it is so Ken Marino. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ex- yes, exactly. He's very good at that specific kind of like cringy, but you love him. Yeah. Yeah. Wanda Lovable Sykes bag, yeah. is also in it, and I love Wanda Sykes. Mm-hmm. I think, um, as Glenn was saying about the YouTube culture, I think this show is at its best when it's really specific about how YouTube culture affects everything. And I especially love, you know, there's this trope where Drew Tarver's character is an aspiring actor. And usually I'm used to seeing that character being the most ungrounded in a scene. But when he's talking to these YouTube social media personalities, he's often the most grounded person in that moment. (laughs) And so, like, the guy who's trying to get a part in a commercial where he smells a fart 
is actually the one who's most in touch with reality mm-hmm. when he's talking to people who like are only into YouTube fame and Instagram fame. And yeah. I thought that's a really interesting sort of take on the internet culture. Yeah, I agree. I think the specificity is is what it's all about. How about you, Kathy? What'd you think? I agree with Tobin. When they get very specific, it is hilarious, especially with that smelling a fart situation when the <laughs> the agent or something was like, you just got to play it straighter. <laughs> <laughs> That is hilarious. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> like it's like it's a very feel like a very smart way of getting at like what exactly does that actually mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the thing that I am actually most curious about in the show, and I wonder if they're ever gonna go into it more, is I would like to know just a touch more about Chase Dreams because funny enough, even though the show's sort of based around him, he's very one dimensional. You don't know anything really about him. He gets his Adam's apple taped up. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and he's yeah. fine with it. He's yeah. just going along with it. I think it's definitely true that the kid, Chase, is very much just absorbing what's going on. He's just yeah. kind of being affected by things. I think you're absolutely right. And I, I think it's a choice that he's mm-hmm. sort of... All he's really doing is following what everybody tells him to do, and he just wants to make everyone happy. Right. One of the things I love about it is it would have been so easy to do the show and have the kid be, like, an arrogant monster. Totally. And he's such a nice kid. Like, that is not the issue of whatever is going on that's wrong with YouTube culture and all that stuff. It's not because the kid's a jerk. Right. And I actually really love that they don't try to make the case that he might actually be talented. Yeah. <laughs> like they don't really try to convince you that there's anything really special about him. Mm-hmm. And so then it forces you to sort of question like, well, what is the thing that makes him famous? And when you pull it apart, there's kind of nothing there, which mm-hmm. I think is funny. It's yeah. funny commentary. Yeah. 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 The specificity of a show is a thing that I, I mentioned in my review because this show has to vibrate on your same frequency or it's not going to work for you. I mean, you have to find that the mention of Justin Thoreau's name causes the character <laughs> to say excitedly, Lego Ninjago, you have, to, you have to be vibrating on that frequency for the show to work. There is a... Um, Carrie meets some Instagram gays, insta-gays as we call them, and there's a joke in that scene. I'm not going to ruin it for you. I'm just going to say it's the one that involves the word nieces that (laughs) made me bark laugh uh, (laughs) at the office. You have these very different styles of acting all coming together. Molly Shannon, you know, she's a sketch queen, right? And so she she comes from that. She could go broad, but yet she stays very uh, centered it just enough to deliver a killer joke like when she's describing her children's book as uh, seven thick pages. Let's talk about your book. I have a copy right here. Oh, um, no, that's not my book. Oh, yes, that is my book. I'm sorry. It came out great. Now, what's the book about? Well, Andy, it's seven thick pages. It's about a little dolphin from Ohio who posts a video on Dolphin Tube and then becomes a famous dolphin singer. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> holy crap, that's a great joke. Well, and she doesn't seem to have ever seen the children's book before. Right. Yeah. And before she's on Watch What Happens Live. Yeah. In, the, in that Instagaze episode that you were talking about, I also one of the moments that I also most admired was there's a joke about the reason that he needs to get Instagram followers. Mm -hmm. And it has to do with sort of certain opportunities only being open to you as an actor if you have a certain number of Instagram followers. And I have no idea whether that's true, but I feel like it might be true (laughs) or I feel like if it's not true, it's going to be true. Mm -hmm. So you have him sort of hanging around with all these instigays because he needs a fast way to get followers. Right. 
one of the things that I felt watching that episode, and I think this is a thing you're getting at and also, Glenn, what you're talking about, part of me was watching it and was like, this is so specific. Does anyone get what's happening with this besides gays and their friends? <laughs> like, it's so specific. It feels like at times they made it just for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is an episode coming up where Carrie goes on a date and the two of them discuss over dinner the logistics of how the evening is going to progress in a way that I have never seen. I've had that conversation, but I've never seen it depicted on my TV. Carrie is going on a journey over the course of these episodes and they kind of planted the seeds very early of internalized homophobia, kind of struggling with that. Mm. And that that's kind of where he goes over the course of the season in a very smart way, in a very real way. Yeah. And one of the ways that they deal with that is like... Like, there's an episode that's already aired where Chase goes to a dance, goes to a high school dance, and Carrie meets this guy who's a teacher, a drama teacher at the school. And it is one of the most – it's not just meet cute. It's meet incredibly cute. It's, oh, my God. It's meet adorable mm-hmm. in this just irresistible way. Oh, my gosh. I rooted for that so much. and mm-hmm. And – I mean, I don't want to give anything away, but it's 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 a really important story. And they're so wise to set it up the way that they do. There's this there's such a moment where he's having such a, a nice evening with this guy. I was so charmed by it. Like as a rom-com person, mm-hmm. I was like, that's one of the best little capsule rom-coms. Yes. I don't know. Am I right about this, Kathy? When I was watching that episode, I immediately texted Tobin and was like, this is the cutest guy on the show. <laughs> he is adorable. I hope he sticks around forever. He is adorable. Yeah, I looked up on IMDb how many episodes. Because <laughs> 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 I was like, make it all of them. Make it all of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's so But the way they, they treat these things, um, these situations is really smart. Um, I mean, in the was it the first episode when Carrie and his roommate start making out? Immediately in my head, I was like, oh, this is like a like a fantasy scene. It's a thing that I've seen so many times where you have a fantasy and you go back and they're just sitting on the couch watching TV because Carrie's got a crush on his straight roommate. But it turns out that's not what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh, mm-hmm. interesting take on this. <laughs> it's oh. a real thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm curious because Kathy and I have texted about this. If Linda, you and Glenn had this feeling, if I were to have a critique of the show, it's that I can't always tell how bad they want these characters to be. Hmm. Sometimes I felt watching it, there would be scenes where I had a little bit of tone whiplash because I would view the brother and the sister as anti-heroes and then suddenly they would be the emotional grounding of a scene and then they would go back to being terrible, which I'm all for nuance and I think that's really interesting to explore. I just didn't always know how who I was supposed to be rooting for and how much I was supposed to be Mm -hmm. rooting for them. If they were broader, bigger, more detestable, then you'd have some pretty safe comedy. But it it would be the comedy of stasis, of somebody who's always the same way. What both of these characters are doing is going on a journey over the course of the episodes. They're changing. They're getting to be better people. And I think that makes the comedy a lot more intimate and a lot more sort of empathetic. Yeah. And I think for me, what keeps them from ever being like really anti-heroes is that they really love the kid. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that grounds them in some kind of that they're th- of decency mm-hmm. is that they really love their brother. And for the most part, they really are trying to help him and to protect him, even though 
they're also caught up in this world that he's part of. But there's a scene at the end of uh, that Watch What Happens Live episode where the family is all sitting on the couch, the brother and the sister and Molly Shannon, the mom. And the kid is lying down, sleeping with his head on the sister's lap. And I felt when I watched that, like, that's such a specific choice to say this kid really adores them and there's such closeness between them. You know, it's a show that is going after the particular weird qualities of sibling relationships. Mm. And that, I think, kept them, for me, on the side of being mostly decent, although there are definitely moments when they're not. Um, There are definitely moments when they're total jerks. And Mm -hmm. I also want to give a shout to the character of Lance, Mm -hmm. who is played by Josh Segarra. And when you first see him, he seems like kind of a meathead. He's an ex of Brooks. Uh, She's the sister. And he's one of these guys who kind of seems like he's going through life giving workout motivational speeches all the time. Mm -hmm. He gets very excited about things. And he seems like a kind of a dummy. But one of the things I really like about it is that over the course of the series, there's he's like a nice guy. He's not a he's not a dumb person. And she's clearly having this experience of that she can date a guy who is a big buff guy because she's just dating him for the sex. Mm-hmm. One of the things I actually really loved is that there's a couple jokes in the show and a couple of storylines about people who ally so hard that they miss the point. (laughs) And it happens in the little scene with Kate Berlant, which like any gay person has had an interaction like that with a well-meaning straight woman who is trying so hard to be your best friend (laughs) that uh, I thought that was really funny. And then I also think that I think it's the second or third episode where Chase Dreams comes out with a music video where oh God, it's basically episode. all about how he's okay with his brother being gay. Mm-hmm. My brother's gay and that's okay. The haters may hate, but I love how he's gay. He is so gay in every way. My brother Gary is gay and that's okay. And the specific <laughs> messaging around it and the song that they wrote is so funny to me because it really, it lampoons this sort of like love is love Mm -hmm. kind of way of talking and thinking about queerness that makes it so much more about what you as a straight person feel about queer people Mm -hmm. more than it does about queer people themselves. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I thought that that was such a funny, interesting thing to take apart uh, in terms of like the experience of a queer person. And I think what we can say, what what I would say is the thing I admire most about it is we could sit here and rattle off jokes. And that's kind of what I want to do is yeah. I want to just say, like, I loved the part where. But it also has these, you know, it's, it talks about queerness in an interesting way. It talks about siblings in an interesting way and families and grief at one point mm-hmm. in an interesting way. And I think, you know, and obviously, yes, satire of YouTube culture, but also I think fame in general and I guess what I would call like the entourage phenomenon Mm -hmm. of like not the show entourage, but an actual entourage, what it's like to have a bunch of people around who just want to say yes to you all the time. And particularly that when you're 13 or 14, what that does to you. Yeah. Mm but yeah, I think it's a I think it's a terrific show. I was really glad. I don't know if I would have found it if Glenn hadn't recommended it. So, <laughs> well, I want to hear what all of you think about uh, the other two. So, find us on Facebook at facebook.com/pchh or tweet us at pchh. That brings us to the end of our show. You can follow Tobin at Tobin Low and Kathy at underscore Kathy Two. Thanks to you guys for being here. Thank you. 
Thank you for having us. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for listening. If you have a second and you are so inclined, do subscribe to our newsletter. It is at npr.org slash newsletter. We will see you all right back here on Friday. I'm Bob Boylan, creator of the Tiny Desk Concert Series. We've just launched the 2019 Tiny Desk Contest. It's our search for the next great undiscovered artist. The winner gets to play a Tiny Desk Concert. It'll change your life. Find out more at npr.org slash tinydeskcontest.